What is popping, book nerds? We have a very exciting show today. We have our first author interview. But before we go on, I do have to warn you guys that there are quite a bit of triggers in this podcast. We will be discussing topics around mental illness, depression, anxiety, and eating disorder. So be warned. If this is a triggering topic to you, please take care of yourself. Feel free to turn this off and listen to another episode and reach out to us if we can help in any way. May is the month of Mental Health Awareness Month. The book that we choose is the one that we've been wanting to talk about for many months now. And it is just so fitting that it happens to be Mental Health Awareness Month and just before the publishing date. Yes. So the book that we will be talking about is called In Body I Trust, and it'll be published on May 25th. It's by Lauren Dow. So it's technically her second book, but she is still for all practical purposes, a debut author. The first book that she had was The Wild Journal, which is a guided journal designed to help you explore your wild self. In Body I Trust was her therapy assignment, never meant to be published or even seen by anyone else. She was diagnosed with an eating disorder in 2018, and she struggled for, with depression for many years before that. So this book is based on her story. And let me tell you a little bit about this book. So we have this character named Amelia. Amelia battles an eating disorder and depression after her emotionally abusive boyfriend left her alone in Denver while he went to Guatemala. She copes with the solitude and shame of addiction using alcohol and her dog Luna. One day she meets her neighbor Emmett who has schizophrenia and you know, the two bond because of their shared mental health experience. Throughout the book, we see her spiral into deeper and deeper self-loathing and solitude. And But then she came back to seek the community. I wanted to share some eating disorder myths and facts with all of you. Because through this book, I got to learn a lot about eating disorders. And I wanted to share some things that you might not know. That's a really good idea, Sonali. Actually, I know one. The very first one I could think of was, you know, how families, particularly our parents, are to blame for eating disorders. I have heard that so many times. What do you think about that? Yeah, there's this idea that it's because of something our parents did. And that's the reason that we have an eating disorder. And that's just not true. Like eating disorders can happen in any type of family. And it's not because of parenting style or anything. Right. Yeah, I mean, eating disorder is not just, you know, from external forces. It's it's something, I mean, it's called a disorder. So it's something wrong fundamentally in your body. So it's hormonal and then we can't just blame it all on our parents. I heard something about eating disorder only affecting white pre-adolescent females. Like a lot of times when people who are minorities, people of color or overweight women they have an eating disorder, like people's reactions are surprise or disbelief. Like if an overweight woman reveals that she has an eating disorder, people around her say, like, how can you have an eating disorder? You're not super skinny. Or maybe they don't say it, but that's what they're thinking in their head. That is very unfortunate. Yeah, it prevents people who aren't super skinny or aren't white, aren't teenagers from getting diagnosed sometimes. So that's one reason why I wanted to talk about this myth. Of course, yes. I could totally see that, especially when you, know, when you don't fit a certain image, then they just like, oh, how could you have that, right? Which is, you know, very unfortunate. And then I also know that a lot of people say the media causes eating disorder. And, you know, especially those glamorous Photoshop image of celebrity causes some sort of negative image and negative thoughts in our head and in chain effects, it causes eating disorder. I know it's not true because as we have discussed earlier, eating disorder is, you know, much more than that. It's not just external forces. It's there is something wrong with your, your hormones and your body. 
I would say that is one of the well-known myths that a lot of people believe. Yes. We actually got to talk to the author, Lauren Dow, about her book. So here is Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so thrilled to be here. Seriously, thank you guys. We're so excited. Yeah, and how have you been? I have been, uh, and it's, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Uh, these last couple of months have been pretty hectic uh, with moving and kind of transplanting myself from Denver to Tampa and trying to navigate finally publishing this book and the move and just a lot but it's overall it's been good I'm finally settled into place <laughs> awesome yeah I was reading your book and oh it's such a raw book it's you know the feelings that you portray in there and how you wrote so that I understand what the character is going through and it's just it was quite a bit <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no I realized that it you know it can come off as pretty heavy because it is it's it's heavy stuff it's a heavy topic um and it's strange because like it wasn't originally meant to be a book but like as you read from you know the the preface of it explaining how it all kind of came about so it was just like a very real and like you said raw kind of depiction of what I was experiencing and thinking and feeling and just trying to remove myself from the narrative so I could better understand what it was I was going through and how I could come out the other side and yeah it is it's it's a lot and kind of scary knowing that other people are reading it but I mean like Brene Brown says you know it's like braving the wilderness you know being vulnerable and and allowing yourself to kind of step outside of that and I figured what more, how much more vulnerable can I be than this? So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love the book to me. It was just so raw. And then, like, I have seen a few of my friends go through this. I personally have never been depressed or anxious to that level, but I have seen a few of my friends go through that. And I hear what they tell me, but at the same time, like, this book allowed me to kind of look into like what they're really thinking at that moment. And then it was just. I, I don't know how to explain it. It just like touched me on a deeper level. And I I really liked it. I, I feel like it just touched me to a deeper level. And I resonated with my friends and feel like I understand them a little bit better now. So yeah, thank you for writing the book. Thank you so much for saying that. That, that, means, that means more to me than I think you even probably realize because like... First off, it, you know, it's, it's my first novel, so that in itself, but the fact that somebody who hasn't experienced these kinds of like mental health struggles is able to get a better understanding of what could potentially be going on inside of the mind of someone that they care about, that's huge, you know, because it's not necessarily giving, it's not meant to like give answers, you know, because I'm, I'm not a medical professional to say right. this is what you should do. But the fact that it's giving some kind of, of understanding, maybe allowing for empathy, things of that nature, like, I will take that all day. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Nice. One of the things I really have appreciated about you, Lauren, is that you're so, like, supportive of everyone. And you're, we, I think we all get the sense that you're really in it with us. Like, whatever we're going through, you're there to support us. And and it's just so, like, genuine. And I think everyone really appreciates, like, being a part of this community. Oh, my gosh. My hands. You guys are, like, overflowing my cup right now. My hands are literally in the air. I know you can't see me. But I was just, like, that's all I want to do is I want to give people a, a safe space to, to feel. I want to kind of build this community of of people. So I'm so glad that that is at least translating in some way, shape or form, because that's really all I want to do is just make other people feel less alone in all of this chaos of life that we are going through. <laughs> yeah, I love that the you did this real 
I think a few weeks ago about how if any of us are going through like self-hatred or anything and you did like a little dance along with it and it was just like it was like a happy dance but also like helping us deal with some of those things so it was like you don't have to always you can like appreciate the difficult moments but also like dance through it and I thought that was cool yeah I mean I really I'm a big I mean I'm not saying I'm any like dance professional or anything but like I've had through my eating disorder you know I've had to find new ways to rebuild the relationship with my body and with movement you know with because exercise there was like a very poor relationship there and dance has always been a big part of my life so it's just I just want to like find new ways to be able to have that movement back that kind of allows me to feel what it is that I need to feel. And I feel like that's so important for other people to just be able to understand that it's okay. Like if you're, if you're having a rough day, whether you have mental health conditions or not, like rough days are real and it's okay to have them. And I just think it's important for all of us to remember that it's like, it's okay to not be okay. Like not to, you don't have to like sit in it. You don't have to like sit in it forever, but like feel what you got to feel and then make space for the good, you know, like let it go and make space for the good. Cause otherwise we're just going to harbor this stuff. So for me, I dance it out whenever I'm having any kind of extreme emotion, I just blast the music wherever I am and I just dance it out. And I feel a trillion times better once I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. You were talking earlier about distancing yourself from the narrative. I was curious if naming the main character Amelia was part of that? Yeah, definitely. Um, So kind of what I was saying before is that, so uh, the reason for the book, it it started because my therapist suggested cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, like writing out my feelings and the scenarios, disassociating myself and my feelings from food. Um, And so in doing that, I, like I said before, I kind of wanted to step outside, become the, the viewer of my life rather than the one living it. And I wanted to, and another part of it was that my, my therapist has suggested at some point that when I was ready to kind of name my eating disorder, like personify it, make it less intimidating and scary to approach. Um, so that's kind of how Amelia, the main character came about was really like, it is a reflection of me, you know, like it is very much my true and real thoughts experiences. Um, but by giving this almost other person a name, it made it this tangible thing that I could, I could approach and understand and empathize with versus trying to just navigate the feelings inside of my head, because it became really hard and almost like there was a lot of like self-deprecation, you know, that, that happened along with this. And it was really hard to be kind to myself through writing this. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was that whole removing myself from the narrative that that's how Amelia came to be. So from start to finish, the book was a therapy assignment. In a way, kind of like, she never was like, write a book, you know, she wasn't like, it was just like, I, I've always journaled. I've always written. Um, I've written short stories and things like that throughout my life. Um, but nothing to this extent. So essentially, yeah, when it, when it all first started, it was, it was really just meant to be like a cognitive behavioral therapy approach. And it just, when I looked at it, I said, I think this might be able to be a book. I think other people could maybe benefit from it or not. Maybe this is totally off base here and I'm just doing something that I think is right, but I'm going to throw caution to the wind and do it. So were there ever times when even though it was a little, um, it was a little more objective of a writing assignment for you because the main character wasn't necessarily Lauren, but it was Amelia. Were there still times when you were, um, having trouble writing because it was so emotionally intense. Yeah, there was there was one chapter in particular where uh, where it did talk about uh, about suicide, and that was 
the last chapter I worked on because throughout the writing process, I just kept, I kept trying to go back and being like, okay, we're going to, we're going to work on this today. And then I would start. And then I would just, it was almost like PTSD in this like weird way. And I was like, okay, I'm clearly not ready yet. I'm not ready to like approach that. Um, so I think that in the writing process itself was, was the biggest thing for me or the hardest thing for me, I should say. And that definitely came last. Okay. Sounds like you just like gave yourself time to process it and then you wrote it when you were ready yeah yeah I think so I mean for the most part everything else I feel like came very very easy for me in that sense just because it was my day-to-day lived experiences and what I was thinking and feeling they felt very fluid but I again I think that was just I needed a little bit more time I wasn't quite ready and I think once the rest of the book was written I was like okay I'm ready we can do closure on this for sure so and that the title uh in body i trust i know that uh, trusting your body was one of the things that you keep repeating throughout the book but did, did you already know that that was going to be the title from the beginning or how did you come up with the title overall um i had toyed with some different ideas and then for the longest time i just called it not sure just yet because <laughs> i i was i really wasn't sure but the one day it just kind of came to me like I, you know as I was writing this and I did keep reiterating like the body never lies right and so I thought this whole this whole thing is really about just trusting my body trusting myself um and we put we put such stock in so many other things in this world that is supposed to guide us and lead us in the right direction. When if we just look to the one thing that genuinely never lies to us, that will not really lead us in a direction other than what it wants. You know, the body says, you know, it'll signal fight or flight. The body will say, hey, I'm hungry or thirsty. You should, you know, provide me sustenance. The body is not gonna, gonna lie to you. It's gonna let you know. So I guess embody I trust kind of stemmed from all of that and when I said it out loud once I was like yep this is it (laughs) this is what the title is going to be and I'm not even going to think twice about it I like it so much because it's a play on and God I trust yeah and yeah the same way that we would trust like a religious figure you're saying we can also just trust our bodies yeah definitely and I mean Amelia goes through her own struggles of with you know her her religious upbringing and her relationship with her higher power. Like she, she kind of goes through a bit of that roller coaster throughout the entirety of the book as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I think in, in a way it was kind of like a play on that where she's, she's having this mistrust in so many different things, even her higher power that is supposed to be leading her in this direction that she thinks she's supposed to go and, yet still it all just kept falling back into her body you know that's something that we all definitely have to work on I I think everybody could definitely benefit from that I think there were times when I was reading and Amelia um Amelia knew that she was she needed to eat because her stomach was hurting or something but then whenever she tried to her body like kind of rejected the food so then it was like she was stuck in this spiral of like wanting to eat but not being able to yeah I mean that's that was that's you know been a lifelong battle (laughs) um and I don't think it was more that her body was rejecting it per se as much as it was the mental condition that was coinciding with it you know it was like there was a lot of deep rooted issues that she was seeking to control and again, I'm not a medical professional by any means, but you know, from, from my experience of just how much your mental state can impact your physical state. And so because of those issues that she was experiencing, I think a lot of it really just impacted her physical ability to be able to, to eat, to physically handle the stress and anxiety and depression that was rooted so deep in her 
Mm-hmm. One reason at the beginning why I was a little bit hesitant to like it, I guess, as much was because I think I was worried about um, maybe like glorifying mental health or like glorifying eating disorders. Because I feel like these days it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, have you gotten the sense that it's somehow become cool to like experience mental health? issues or like trendy (laughs) no I totally understand that and like I I really appreciate you sharing that with me you know because that that was never my intention was to ever over glorify anything like that but um, I think that that's part of the stigma and that's why it's so that's that's why my whole mission right now in my life and I've I've really truly found my purpose is to keep talking about mental health and and keep uh keep trying to destigmatize it because that that kind of mentality is like is I think what causes so many people to not be able to talk about their issues is because um I mean growing up for me a lot was you know the worse that you were or the unhealthier that you were the the poorer you behaved the more attention you got and then as I got older uh it became more of like oh, so you're acting out because you want attention and all of these things kind of spiraled. And, and I think that there's a lot of people out there still to this day that, that they don't say, you know, like, I'm not talking, like, I'm not talking about mental health as a cry for attention. I'm, I'm talking about mental health as a cry for help. You know, I don't think that people who are openly speaking about it are, I mean, I know I wasn't comfortable with it at first, but I said, hey, like, this, this is what I want to do this is going to be the thing that helps me remove the masks of my life. Like, it's not to say that like, Hey, it's cool. Jump on the bandwagon to be depressed. Like anybody who's depressed knows that it sucks. Like it's the worst, you know? Um, And I think living behind the curtains of that for so long and finally being able to talk about it and to connect with other individuals who have felt as low and as shameful and all of these negative things such as that I've had, it's been life-changing for me, you know? So I don't think I'm over-glorifying it. I think that I am powering. I want to continue empowering other people to talk about it, not only for themselves to free themselves of the shame, but to, in a selfish way, like I want to find more people that I can connect with on that level and say, hey, you're brave. Hey, you're a badass. Hey, you're strong. You conquered something today that you didn't think you could. So congratulations, kudos to you. You're the kind of people I want in my circle, you know, like, and it's not, it's again, it's not to say that there's a, there's some kind of like special sauce for, for having any kind of mental health condition. Cause like I said, if you have it, you know how hard it is. You, you know, I think it's more about just shedding light on the reality of it. And kind of like what Clara said, of like helping other people also to understand what truly goes on inside of the mind of someone because those periods of time where you know I'm laying on or I should say Amelia is on the bathroom floor at her lowest hour like those are so real that loneliness is so real and whatever people who are in the position like myself who finally feel like that they can stand up and talk about it I think that it's important that we do So that way, people who are too afraid to make that phone call or too afraid to ask for help know that there there are people and resources out there that they don't have to, you know? Because I didn't have that growing up at all. I didn't have like the, hey, it's it's cool to talk about mental health. Hey, like here's a support system. It was like, shh, dull it, dull it, pretend, hide it under the bed, pretend it doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Amelia's mom seemed supportive but also it seemed like Amelia was really dependent on her mom so um when she started this journey of like trying to be more independent and trying to start recovery it sounded like she kind of had to distance herself from people like her mom and also that friend that she made Emmett and that made me think that addiction is really lonely because like there was so much judgment and stigma where like she felt like she needed to smoke or something but she felt all these people judging her so she couldn't connect with them and then recovery also became like even more lonely because she was trying to make good choices and she felt like she couldn't be around certain people 
Yeah, I mean, all of it is kind of a lonely road. Um, I think that there's something to be said between, you know, solitude and, and isolation for sure. Um, I think with with addiction, with mental health, there is a lot of isolation. But with recovery, I think that there is a lot of solitude. It's like almost the the battle itself is like forcing you into this world of loneliness, whereas recovery is a choice that you're making. You choose because you know that you're the only one that's going to be able to get you out of it. And I think for Amelia, a lot of a lot of the initial pushing away, you know, was was a defense mechanism. Like she didn't want to disappoint people. She didn't want to keep hurting people. Um, she thought that she was broken and all that she did was disappoint others and, and bring hurt into their lives. So she pushed people away. But like you said, that recovery was also a lonely road because it's like, you have to do the work yourself. No one's going to be able to do it for you, you know? Right. Like you're the best chance that you got. I mean, nobody's going to give you that chance except yourself. So, yeah. Um, I'm glad that that more people are talking about mental health more. And then, unfortunately, you know, with society, like, there's always going to be a bad side to it. Now everybody's going to be thinking, oh, you're just glorifying mental health. You're just uh, making it cool. But I'm all, But on the other hand, because more people are t- speaking out about it, you know, I, people are not feeling like, oh, I can't talk about it anymore. They have somebody to look up to and they have somebody that they can relate and so they're able to talk about it more um so i'm glad that your book exists and now in your position are you becoming more like like emmett who's like in the book when i was reading emmett was somehow able to to sense if if Amelia needed something or he can just tell like he th- that's the way Emma was portrayed but and now are you becoming kind of more like that like you can just kind of talk to somebody and you're like okay I can kind of tell that this person's not okay or I can or say the right things at the right time do you think you're kind of becoming more like that as you're w- working way well into recovery um I would <laughs> I, I I would say that I am human and that I don't think that I have any like super ability to do to do any of those things but uh, Emmett was Emmett's such a special soul Emmett is such a such a special soul and just has this way of of just opening his heart to people in a way that really just can change so many lives you know and I definitely think through recovery and where I'm at now um there's so much less shame. And I think in doing that, it it makes me focus less on myself and so much more on other people. So I wouldn't say that I, I know what the right thing to say or I know what the right thing to do is. But what I do feel differently now versus then was that this cloud is not really there. So I am, I feel like I'm much more receptive to people where as long as I just keep talking to people with respect and I keep opening my arms to people who are hurting um, and allowing that, I, I do my best. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I do my, I do my best. I, I, I would hate to say like, don't worry, come to me. I've got all the answers. <laughs> Cause right. like, I certainly don't. There's so many things every day I'm trying to figure out, but Emmett taught me so much. Emmett taught me so much of what it means to like be there for other people. Um, and that it's not always pretty and that we have ugly layers. Um, the ugly layers make us who we are, that we're hundred percent human. And like, we're at the end of the day, we're, we're all the same, you know, skin and bones and a heart and a brain. Like we're all just trying to navigate life and whatever that looks like for us that day. So what would you say is the biggest like difference between you and Amelia or were there any differences? That's tough. I think the only real difference was that by the time I was done writing the book, I was in such a different place of my recovery than when I started. 
writing the book. So while her and I are the same person, it's almost like Amelia was like past Lauren, you know, and like I am present Lauren. And they're just in two very different parts of life. And it just makes me want to go back and hug her and be like, it's going to be okay if you just hold on a little bit longer. Like, you're going to figure things out in such a beautiful way. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> so I'd say those are probably, that's the biggest difference between Amelia and myself. Okay. Cool. And this may be too personal. You know how to answer it. What, um, what does the end of the recovery look like for you or for Amelia? Yeah, I mean, that's that's not... I. At this point in my life, I am so transparent. <laughs> like I almost am like eh, boundaries, whatever. Um, no, I uh, and that's that's something else that I think is also important to articulate is with recovery that there is no end. It's not a linear process. Um, and there's no start and finish line. It is daily management. It is it is a lifelong journey and some days are harder than others. And eventually it gets to a point where, yeah, like got this under control, but bad days still happen. So for me, I mean, you know, my move from Denver to Tampa, that took a significant toll on my mental health. That took a significant toll on, on me as a person. So I think I can't say that, that I've reached the end because I don't know if that really truly exists, but I, because of the help that I have gotten, I am much more capable of managing it. I am much more capable of, you know, it's like handling the issues before you reach that peak of the mountain and then you tumble forward to the other end, you know, down to the bottom. It's like, I'm much more able to like regroup a little bit and come down from a manic state or come down from a depressive state, or I guess go up, however you want to look at it. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I definitely have much more knowledge of the tools in my mental health toolbox on on how to do that. And so I definitely am healthier. I still struggle, you know, um, but that's why I go to weekly therapy and my weekly support groups. That's why if I have to reach out to someone at four in the morning because I can't stop crying, I will do it because that's just a part of, of who I am. <laughs> I think um, the same thing kind of happened with Amelia's journey. Like at the end, I think the majority of the book, she was just spiraling basically, right? Where, yeah. Um, she, she was stuck in this loop that honestly it reminded me of like what we're going through this past year with the pandemic. Every day just feels like the same. And like a lot of days you just make the same like not so good choices and she finally was able to get out of that spiral when she started going to the support groups and everything kind of like started turning around for her and and everything just looked a lot more bright and it sounded like she it wasn't like totally over but she was much more like capable of dealing with everything yeah I mean this year whoo this year for everybody, like you said, it's like the perpetual groundhog day. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's just, again, it's that solitude versus isolation mentality, but um, I'm a big proponent of like just taking one small step at a time. Uh, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with all of it. And I mean, people are having to navigate such different territory over this last year. Like you know, mothers who are also teachers, who are also, you know, managers at their work, who are also, they have to play like 14 different roles all in the comfort of their home. And it sounds like they're just trying to do the best that they can. Like, I can't imagine even what that must be like, or, you know, so many different circumstances that we've had to experience and, and navigate. Um, it does, it, it can be very hard. Um, and again, I just think for me, it was just a lot about taking a one very small step. Um, how are you guys doing with the whole year, of, I guess, a little over a year now of, of this pandemic? It was, I think it was a lot easier. I was working a lot and that sort of like helped keep 
my mind busy and stuff but I think the past few months have been a little harder because because I haven't been working as much and then like every day kind of feels the same like I was saying before and um and so I guess like Amelia's journey was relatable because like it sounded like she kind of woke up like had the same like dread and then and then sometimes things would brighten up her day but still like she had to be the one to like bring herself out of that for me um I'm still working and I work at the library so that's been nice but I'm also going to university for my bachelor degree and you know I uh, it's just just overwhelming you go through every semester every single semester you go through the same cycle of oh hey I'm excited for classes oh no midterms oh great finals like it's just the same cycle over and over um yeah but otherwise I've been pretty okay just I you know I, I still have a job and then school but it's pretty much kept me in routine so so things have been okay for me yeah and you guys have this podcast you know of like being able to connect with other people and doing something that you you love to share with other people I think a lot of people have been doing that over this last year and I think it's great that you guys started doing this I know I think the one thing that I've seen is that a lot of people are just looking for connection just like Amelia and Emmett really and um and I feel like things like our podcast have I think when we first started we weren't sure like who was gonna listen and um who would connect with us on Instagram but a lot of people have um have like if we do something one day on Instagram, like if we do a certain type of post, other people start copying it and then they tag us in all these things. And it it just shows that like everyone really just wants community and connection. And that's what we're all trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've been, we've all been so deprived of it, you know, and we're trying to just rebuild it and get it in any way that we can. And I think as long as we're doing it in positive ways, like what you guys are doing, I think that that's fantastic. I have one question. Uh, um, this book is, you know, obviously very raw to you and it's such a, a big part of your life. How would you handle literary criticism? For me, I, I'm if I write a book this raw, you know, this is like my baby and someone is to not like my baby, I, I don't know how I will able to handle it. So I would like to hear your thoughts on that. It is. I've I've actually had this conversation because uh, like imposter syndrome is so real, you know, like I've just been like, who do I think I am to write a book? (laughs) You know, no one's going to like it. Everyone's going to hate it. Uh, And this is about me and my life. Like that just means they don't like me and they hate me. (laughs) Like, But I think at the end of the day, uh, I have to remember like my why. And I know this book is not going to be for everybody. Like not everyone is going to love it. Like that's just the reality. Um, And that's okay. Uh, Someone, you know, said to me, I think it's like Dr. Seuss or something, but it's like the, the people who mind don't matter and the people who matter don't mind. So I'm saying like, if, if people are, are going to throw hate towards it, then that's okay because the people that I want to connect with and the people that I wrote this for at the end of the day, like, and it's not, they're, they're the ones that I want to have in my life. And they're the ones that I want to communicate with. And they're the ones that I'm, you know, I'm going to reach. And if, if something negative comes along, I'll handle it, I guess as it happens and just try not to take it personally and just be like, it didn't resonate with you. You didn't understand it or you just didn't like it. And that's okay. That's not a reflection on me as a person because I go to bed every night and I'm able to rest my head on the pillow and say that I am doing the best that I can. And I am trying to be a good person and I am trying to just live authentically as authentically as possible. So I guess just remembering that, I have really tremendous people in my circle that 
see me and what I'm doing for exactly what it is. Yeah, I gotcha. Imposter syndrome is definitely, definitely hard to overcome for me. Um, you know, when I started this podcast with Nolly, I so a little background of me, I'm doing a bachelor's in math and I'm hoping to become some sort of analyst in the future. And but books are books are fun for me to read. And I like discussing about them. But, you know, when I started this, I'm like, I'm a math major. I'm not going to become a writer. I'm not an English major. I I take I took English classes, but that was just for the bare minimum. And like, who am I to talk about books? And and I have other friends who are not in in lit, who are not part of like literature industry, but like they still love to read a lot and they really follow the authors. And I like I just read and I like talking about them, but I don't research about the authors or the books to their extent. So in the beginning, I was like, who would even want to listen? Like, I, you know, I'm kind of like a nobody because and I don't know anything about this literature industry. And that is that imposter syndrome is definitely something that I'm still working on to get over because time to time I see on, you know, Instagram, like people, uh, bookstagrammers, they they're so passionate and like, they know everything about that author or or at least that's what they portray. And and I'm like, oh, I, I'm not that level and I don't know if I'll ever be and I don't know if I can fit into that level. But then again, it's like I tell myself, if I'm like this, I gotta be somebody who is just like me and, and you know, it's okay. There's gotta be somebody who still like listening to me. At least I hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just want to say real quick, you are not nobody. You are absolutely a somebody. Oh, thank you. Like, just always remember that. Like, you are not nobody. You are somebody. Like, write that on your wall. Because you are, like, what you are doing, whether or not it, you know, I think there is just this huge, uh, like, misunderstanding that, like, and I guess success is defined by each individual person, right? But, like, to me, success is not defined by a number, uh, you know, or, or some number of following listeners, whatever it's, you're doing something that fulfills you. It's challenging you. It's something that you love to do. And everything we create, uh, it does not need to be for something. Mm -hmm. And it can always just be something that we want for ourselves. You know, so even if nothing, like if, if literally the, we are the only three listeners of your podcast, which I do not believe is true at all, clearly from based on the connections that you've already been talking about making, like that's incredible because that's three lives right there that are impacted. And I just, I, I really do. I think that what you guys are doing is great. So me turning it around and saying, do not belittle what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So what's next for you as far as uh, books, publishing books go? Are you on a new writing project? Are you, um, are you going to be doing a sequel of Amelia's Live? What, what's next? Yeah, I, um, I actually, I have a couple different books that I'm working on right now. And I think it's just uh, this next month before the book is officially published on May 25th is kind of just like super cram, get everything done mode. Um, so I've kind of, I took a, I told myself I'm taking a two week pause from working on them. If I actually do that or not is another thing, but I'm going to try. Um, but I have a couple different books. It's just deciding which one I want to dedicate more of myself to, uh, to, to make it my next book. Cause I, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, I, by fall or winter, I could have another one out there. So, um, so we'll see. So I'll, I'll keep it a little low key for now until I have more definitive on which book that's actually going to be. You are starting a new publishing project. I heard, right. It's called, um, it's named after your dog. It sounds like <laughs> it's called new Luna press. Uh, and it, I always started it cause I, you know, it's, I was going to, for self-publishing, I wanted to I wanted to be like the sole owner and almost creative director of my everything. I wanted to do it all, um, 
And then I started connecting with a lot of other writers who said, hey, like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm trying to tell my story of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I want to help you do that. How can I help you do that? And like, I just started a publishing company. Why can't I do that? So it kind of has just like escalated into this thing where um, now I actually, I coach people on writing and, uh, and publishing their books. And then I do it through New Luna Press. And I'm hoping that in 2022, that I will be able to officially be publishing other people's books. So I'm very excited about that. It'll be focused primarily on own voices. Um, so I'm very, very excited about that endeavor. So that is super cool. So you're um, helping other people who are going through the same journey, get their writing published. Yeah. Or, I mean, whatever journey specifically that they're going through, whatever story, I mean, I know how therapeutic it was for me to do this and I think it's such a gift and I want to help other people experience that too. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us, Lauren. It's been so amazing to connect with the author of In Body I Trust. And I really encourage everyone to pre-order it before May 25th. And 10% of the proceeds are going to Project Heal, right? Yes, absolutely. They are a nonprofit organization that is breaking down barriers for systemic healthcare um, and financial resources for eating disorder support, but primarily it is for um, under-researched and underrepresented communities and just the work that they're doing is really incredible. So I wanted to give back in a way. So I do hope that the more people that know about it um, can also, you know, give back in this way too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting, for writing the book. This it's been a journey for all of us. Yeah. Thank you guys so, so, so much for having me on. This has been really great. It's been so lovely just to, to hear other people's perspective about it and really get to have a conversation. So thank you. I, I appreciate the conversation today, really. Talking to Lauren was so amazing. I love how genuine and supportive she is. Isn't she? She's just wonderful. And I like that we got kind of an inside perspective on eating disorders. You know, I it, the books makes me understand how those people are going through, which I love it. And what I've been thinking about is that since neither of us has an eating disorder or other mental illnesses, how can we be allies to people who do? I think... The first thing is just being like a good listener. I have learned that because I do have friends who have severe um, anxiety and depression. And sometimes you want to help them fix their problems, but you can't really do that. You just have to be there, try to be a good listener and um, support them. If they ask for help, help them out. What do you think? You know, I, I'm one of those people, if some people come up to me for a problem with a problem, I'm like, oh, let me fix it. So I definitely have to work on being there and actively listening and not just jump onto things and then try to fix them myself because that's not necessarily what they want. So I would definitely agree with what you just say, just listen and, and, you know, help them as much as you can if, if, and when they ask for help. What did you learn from Amelia, the main character of In Body I Trust? I would say that Amelia gave me an inside perspective of how, you know, people with eating disorder think and live and feel. I don't think I have ever really gotten that much of a raw feeling from a book or from other people so I that's one thing that I learned and the other things that I learned are you know to just not give up on hope there's always going to be a light out the tunnel at the end of the tunnel you just have to keep going you can't give up what about you what did what did you learn I so I have never had an eating disorder but um I've had 
I, I think I've experienced some of what Amelia faces and some of the thoughts that she has really, I was really able to relate to. And it was nice to see someone put them into words. Like, for example, one day she's walking down the street and she sees her neighbor Emmett and she hasn't met him yet. So he's a stranger and she wants to go up to him and talk to him, but she keeps putting all these negative thoughts into her head and um I just rarely hear someone put all those thoughts into words in books because that's not something we talk about very often unless you're a kid or something so it's definitely not common for adults to verbalize those thoughts so it was nice to hear that and I've heard Lauren talk about how one of her goals with this book and the other things she's doing is that she wants to be open about her story and her struggles and she hopes that by her openness other people will also feel free to be open with their struggles and I think she's well on her way to making that happen because I've seen like so many people even on her Instagram account if you follow her on Instagram sometimes she shares like what happened to her that day and what she's been struggling with and so many people respond and say like I'm so glad you shared this I've been going through the same thing I love that she's so open with her struggles uh you know I think a lot of times we think that we're alone and we don't have anybody that is experiencing the same thing with us and and then you know to a degree our experiences are unique to our own but I think we often forget that there are other people that can relate to us and then and we don't open up and we bottle it up and then we just suffer in silence, which is not okay. So I'm really glad that that Lauren Dow is using her her platform, whether that's Instagram or through the book, you know, to show that you're not going alone and then I'm glad that other people are seeing it and other people are reaching out to her. Yes. I am so glad that we read this. I, I know that it's going to stick with me for a long time, Amelia's story, and I'm excited to see what Lauren does next. So that brings us to the end of our discussion. Thank you so much for listening. Get your pre-order of In Body I Trust, which comes out on May 25th, and see you next time.